All right, guys, welcome back. This is Brian Pruitt giving you episode three of Prove All. Uh, first and foremost, I want to thank everybody who has listened to episode one and two. You can find them on our website, www.proveall.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Proveall, P-R-U-B-A-L-L. I'm going to be updating the website periodically. I'm trying to give you guys a lot of information, uh, a lot of up-to-date stuff about the game that's going on in the game, and just trying to give you guys some stuff to listen to. Hopefully, you can take away some stuff from it. Um, There's a lot of content that I'll be giving you. I just want to get my information out to you so you can utilize it to either coach a player to the best of your ability or to become the best player that you can be. Um, a lot of hitting talk so far, and I'm going to come back today again with, with some more hitting talk. And uh, I actually just posted a blog on my website. I wanted to follow up with that blog because it was very brief, br- uh, very short. Most of my blogs that I do will be brief and short and just kind of be a synopsis of what's either to come in that evening's podcast or something that's just on my mind. I want to kind of uh, get off my chest about a a current event in the game and what have you. But uh, earlier today, I did post a blog uh, about progression and I call it progressive batting practice. And and really, uh, if you're a coach listening, uh, what I like to do and some of the things that I believe in doing during batting practice with as far as a team setting is there's two different kinds of batting practice that I think really benefit the club. Um, obviously, one of them you know, and it's just a situational batting practice. You know, basically, what you're trying to do is create situations during batting practice, uh, usually utilizing a base running group, um, and then cycling through whether it's a hit and run, whether it's bunting, uh, moving guys over from second to third base, scoring guys on third, scoring guys from second. Um, you know, infield in, infield back, and really trying to get the hitters to handle the bat the right way in certain situations. And that's all all fine and dandy, but um, and, and especially think that that's good uh, to use throughout the season. Uh, and maybe a team's underproducing, uh, not capitalizing on some scoring opportunities. You can put them in situations of batting practice and, and put a little bit of pressure on them to, um, to, to be successful in batting practice. Uh, first and foremost, and then expect them to carry it over into the game. Um, but what, what I want to talk about is the other kind of batting practice that I like to do. And what you're going to find is really what you're trying to accomplish is the same thing as situational batting practice. And, and I'll kind of go back into that and come back around to that and how they're similar. Um, but I call it a progressive batting practice. And it's very simple. What you're trying to accomplish is building off of what you do in the first round and building on it in the second round, building off of what you did in the second round and building on that in the third round. Uh, And and one of the analogies that I used in in my blog earlier was the idea that it's similar to to math, to doing math in school. Uh, Not that batting practice is as fun as math in school, it's actually a lot more fun than math in school. So maybe not the best analogy to use as far as that's concerned, but um, it's a good analogy in that 
what you do in say ninth grade math you're probably going to need it in tenth grade math and what you do in tenth grade math you're probably going to need to learn that in order to do the problems that you're going to come across in eleventh grade math basically you're building on what you've already learned a certain formula you might need uh, you might need that information in order to do a second formula and you might need that information to do a third formula well the same principle should be taken towards batting practice you should master something or uh, if not master you should you should develop a feel for something before moving on to the next round or moving on to the next thing um, and, and a perfect example of it is what uh, hopefully a lot of people do and utilize and that's going from uh, when you first start taking batting practice is going from a T to a side toss or a soft toss and going from a side toss or a soft toss to a front toss and then going from a front toss to a batting practice and so essentially what you're doing is you're leveling up the more the ball moves obviously it's going to be more difficult to hit so by starting off the T you're basically gearing your swing towards uh, to, to getting a good feel for what you're trying to accomplish or whatever you're trying to work on in that that day uh, but the same thing goes for a team batting practice what I see a lot of coaches doing today when they're setting up batting practice is really just letting letting guys swing uh, with no purpose no uh, no sense of plan or any kind of uh, really thought process going into what they're trying to accomplish in batting practice and really you're just spinning your wheels um, the, the, the players are not going to uh, really get the most out of that kind of practice. They're not, they're simply just not uh, trained uh, or not to the level mentally in order to know what they need to do in order to get better. And as a coach, that is your job to tell them those things and develop a practice plan, most specifically a batting practice, to help gear their swings in the right direction and so what I one of those things that I do use is that progressive batting practice um, and, and, and real quick going back and I mentioned having a feel for your swing earlier in uh, episode one if you haven't listened to that um, go ahead and, and go ahead and do that I, I talk about how players really don't know what they look like when they swing um, but they know what they feel like in the swing and so as a hitting coach, I do believe you should always be asking your hitters, how does that feel? After they have a great swing and even after they have a poor swing, you can tell by looking at it if it was a good swing or if it was not a good swing. Ask them and reinforce the good swings. Ask them how they, that felt because what you want them to be able to do is you want them to be able to mimic their good swings as often as possible. Again, getting back to that to that feel aspect of it is muscle memory. They're, as a player, they're able to feel what they're doing right and they're able to feel what they're doing wrong. Ideally, you wanna be able, you want a, a player that can actually feel what they have done right and, and what they haven't done so they can make the adjustment when they need to in order to be successful, all right? So that feel idea is very important when you're working with players, especially when you're one-on-one -on -one and you can really create that dialogue between them. All right, don't just say and preach at players when you're working with them that, okay, you're doing this right, now do this, now do this, now do this, or try ABC. Is that part of it? 
Yes, yeah, sometimes you just got to kind of lay it out there and say, okay, I need you to do this, this, and this. But create a dialogue between the player and yourself in order to say, hey, how does that feel? Okay, why do you think it feels that way? All right, well, try doing this with your lower half. Try doing this. Try doing this with your hands. Maybe that'll help create that bat path or try to produce a little more bat speed. And, and might, that might help the process. All right. Getting back to the progressive batting practice, what you're trying to do is put the player in a situation to where that they can actually feel what they are doing right, and they're actually gearing their swing to where that it's it's feeling good, it's it's ready to go. All right. And so what I like to do is actually create a system to where they're progressing from round one all the way through round five or round six. All right. I prefer a lot of swings on the field in batting practice. Again, going back to episode one where I said, hey, if you're, if you're a college coach, if you're a high school coach, I'm not keeping that many hitters on the team. And the reason is because I don't want to take away from too many swings. But if you have around 13, the most 14 hitters, you can actually give your guys more reps during batting practice. And, and that that is huge. All right. So. Number one, you want to make sure you're not just doing five or six rounds of four or five swings. All right, that, that, that's just not going to cut it. That's not enough. I prefer having a rounds of seven, eight swings. Yeah, I know lots of you guys listening are going to say, man, that hurts. That, that's going to be killer on my arm. Yeah, and you know what? It is. But at the same time, your players are going to be, get, are going to be better and it's going to look a lot better on you guys as hitting coaches when your team... Uh, slugging percentage goes up, the team on base percentage goes up, and you just see the, the higher productivity in the in the at-bats that they're having. So that's number one. You want to make sure that you're giving your guys enough swings on the field in BP. All right. So if you're normally doing only five, five, uh, five pitches or five cuts a, a round, you're almost doubling it if you go up to eight. All right. Now, one thing, uh, one thing that I always do is, is you want to start off with something simple, all right? You want to start off with round one being something very simple. A simple, easy, ask. if you're a right-handed hitter, you want to say, hey, all I want you to do is just hit a nice, easy ground ball right at the second baseman. Just do it. Hit a ball, ground ball right at the second baseman. Usually you'll have a second baseman out there getting his de defensive work in during batting practice. Now, what does this do with round one? Number one, what it doesn't do is it doesn't create them, give them a chance just to go back leg on you and drop and drive and try to hit the first pitch they see in batting practice out. No, no, no. You're setting a wrong, the wrong tone if you allow your players to do that. What this will do is it will give them a feel for the ball, a feel for the bat, handle the barrel, and be able to direct the ball in the direction that they want to go. All right. And that's what you're trying to do. You basically want them to play pepper with the second baseman. Five easy swings, just like that. All right. Then you're going to graduate to more full swings. All right. You're really going to be more incorporating your lower half, probably swinging at 75, 80% with round two. We're going to go hard ground balls, line drives right at the second baseman. All right. Again, all you're trying to do is just pick it up just to click. And you're still trying to create the eye-hand coordination. They still have to allow the ball to get deep, uh, to, get, to get deep in their stance. 
and also keep their eyes on the ball again with the eye hand coordination. So round three, what you're trying to do is just incorporate what you've already done from round two, but use a little bit more of the field. So you're going to try to go low line drives right up the middle. All right. So you're going to want to get behind the ball just a little bit more. Incorporate your, your lower half a little bit more. Still only swinging at about 75-80%. Then go on to round four. You're going to graduate to, to using uh, the left center field gap, right center field gap. Call this the gap to gap round. All right, you want it, you want low line drives, you want some backspin on the ball, and you want the ball carrying a little bit more. Again, keep in mind you're going rounds of eight, so they're going to be getting a lot of swings in this. Now that we're graduating to, to balls more getting deeper in the outfield, keep in mind that the player should not be trying to hit the ball over the fence yet. That's not the goal. The goal is to keep the ball low, line drives, everything connected in the swing, and allowing the ball to get deep. Now, if you can, if you're good enough bat, uh, throwing batting practice, you want to make sure you're working the ball in and out, in and out. It's really important that they use both the right center field gap and left center field gap. All right, you want them allowing the ball to get a little bit deep, and you want them to get out in front a little bit more. Again, that creates muscle memory and eye-hand coordination necessary to be successful in a game situation. All right, keep in mind we are doing this so that it can be applicable in a game situation. Next, you're going to graduate to more backspin and and. One of the things that I like to tell the players to do is usually there's a, a distance sign in center field, whether it's a 400 foot fence, there'll be say, there'll be a 400 sign, or whether, maybe it's a high school field that's a little bit closer. But what I try to tell the players is, and, and I want them to let it go a little bit this round. All right, I tell them, hey, knock down, knock down that 400 sign, knock down that distance sign. All right, I want them still using. The big part of the field. It's very important to use the, the center field. You want to use the middle of the field. Why? Because in the game situation, if you're a little bit out in front, you still got left field. And if game situation, if you're a little bit behind, you still got the opposite field. All right. So you want to aim for the middle for the simple fact that there's more room for error there. All right. And, and that's essentially what you're trying to create. All right. You're trying to create that muscle memory that's going to allow you to be as successful as possible. All right, so that's why you want to be geared towards the middle of the field because you have more chance of being successful. There's more real estate out there to work with. Okay, now I tell the players to knock down the 400 sign because I want them trying to incorporate their lower half as much as possible. That, that, that's, that's the goal here. Um, you know, I, sometimes when I'm working with guys in cages that in the cage that they don't, they tend to have a weak lower half. I tell them, hey, I want you to swing 100% with your lower half and only 50% with your upper half. Right? What that does is it, it really creates that torque, it, it creates that bat lag, and it really allows that barrel to be thrown and, and really get through the zone. All right, and that's really going to help at point of contact. Now let's look at what we've accomplished here by using this setting in batting practice. Um, progressive batting practice from an individual standpoint is very productive because you're gearing their swing and developing their swing through a progression, right? But now let's look at it from a team setting. What have we accomplished? Well, 
from situ when we talked about situational batting practice earlier, what did we say we wanted to do? We wanted to work hit and runs. We would we would work move them over. Um, we would work scoring with runners on second, scoring with runners on third, infield in, infield back. Well, if you really look at what we did with our progressive batting practice, we actually accomplished all those things. We just presented it to the players a little bit differently. We presented it in a way that it would help them, the individual, when in reality, we essentially did the same thing. Round one, what was it? It was take nice, easy ground balls right at the second baseman or opposite field side. So if you're a lefty, we're going nice, easy ground balls right at the shortstop. All right. Well, in a hit and run situation, what are we trying to do? All we're trying to do is just keep the ball on the ground out of the middle, right? To avoid the double play. Well, we essentially have to handle the bat. We're playing pepper with the third baseman down the lines or with the first baseman down the right field line. All right. But we're trying to avoid a double play in the hit and run situation. You just want them to handle the bat. Well, that's what we're doing in a progressive BP round one. We're handling the bat. It's just eye-hand coordination, hit the ball right where I want the ball to go. All right, so bingo, accomplish that. Situational baseball round two, we have runner on second base, nobody out. So what are we going to try to do? Move the runner over, correct? Ground ball right at the second baseman. Well, guess what we just did? As a right-handed hitter, we just accomplished that. We hit a hard ground ball, low line drive, right at the second baseman. Again, we're accomplishing what we need to as a team by doing progressive batting practice for the individual players. Next, situational BP round three. What are we going to try to do? We're going to try to score them, runner on third base or runner on second and third and field in. You're trying to mimic that situation. Well, round three, progressive batting practice. We're working middle, aren't we? Well, isn't that essentially the same thing that we're going to be doing with the infield in, runners in scoring position? We're working middle, correct? We're trying to shoot a ball through a hole. We're, again, using the bigger part of the field. That's center field. That's the middle of the diamond. So, bingo, you accomplished that. Round four, situational BP, infield back. All right, so what are we going to do with progressive batting practice? We're going to work gap to gap. We're trying to get the ball in the air. We're trying to get the ball over the infielder's heads so we can score the guy from third base. Again, situational BP, you're accomplishing the same thing by going gap to gap with backspin. Absolutely nothing has changed. And again, and then with an extra round, maybe situational batting practice, that last round, you're going to do a base hit round. That's fine. And you can even gear. In fact, I would encourage you to gear your progressive batting practice to where that last round, you have the guys that are more singles hitters and you see them impacting the team as a single spray guy, not to do the round where you hit the try to hit the center field fence over. All right. Don't don't do that if that's not their kind of type of type of game. Have them do more of a base hit round. Maybe you have a group of four guys who are more of the quote unquote RBI guys, the guys that might be able to to hit the ball out of the ballpark. Maybe you allow them to use the bigger part of the field, but then let them more incorporate that last round as trying to knock over the 400 sign. All right, so you can still tailor make this thing into uh, something that's more specific for your individual players. Um, but guys, it, it essentially is the same thing, and it's pretty neat in that you are accomplishing um, an individual goal for your players as well as 
uh, accomplishing a team goal and getting the most out of it. Um, again, I appreciate every listen. I appreciate all your feedback. Um, if you like this, if you like the podcast, retweet it. Retweet for me, and I'll keep them coming. Um, pay attention to the website, proveball.com. Check in with it. I'm going to be uploading some blogs, uh, more podcasts. Uh, stay tuned for an ebook. I'm going to get that out here in the near future. And again, hey, swing on.